Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're in the second part of a series that we're calling what? The Life-Giving Church. That's right, the Life-Giving Church. So we're looking at lessons from the book of Acts. And I just put a simple definition there in your outlines. That is, uh, the Life-Giving Church is the people of God marked by the life, love, joy, and mission of Jesus. Like the church that we read about in the book of Acts. That's what we want to do. That's what, at Christ Fellowship, we want to be all about that. So, Acts chapter 1. Verse 8 is just a great place to kick this off today. And Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now that's a great commission kind of statement, but it's also kind of a paradigm of how to understand the book of Acts. Because you've got Jerusalem, and then the the, the action kind of moves to Judea and Samaria, And then the action kind of moves to the nations, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so in Acts Acts 2, it's the Jews. Acts 8, it's it's, it's spreading out. Acts Acts 10 is is Cornelius, and we'll we'll touch on some of that today. Um, Acts 11, it's the first time the church is gathered with Gentiles in Antioch. And then Acts 13, they start sending out missionaries to the rest of the world. Acts 15, everybody's freaking out because it's not exactly the way it was. And then they kind of get some ideas from God. Okay, we're going to make it look like this. And that's what's going to be the deal. So what happens is I'm thinking about this story. You know, you can look back and it, 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 it's kind of all neat. But if you were there and you're watching these transitions, these borders being jumped, barriers being crossed, it's like a wild ride. It is a wild ride as they're walking through these different phases and the gospel's going to different places. And suddenly, you know, they have to be realizing, wow, the gospel is for everybody. The gospel is for everyone. Every tribe, language, nation, tongue, all the ethnicities that are even represented here and more, you know, all of this all of this multi-beautiful diversity, it's wonderful. This morning, early, I was, I was praying up, spending time with Jesus. And I was praying like I do a lot of times. I pray, Father, would you let this morning bring me word of your unfailing love? Scripture, it's a good prayer to pray. Let this morning bring me word of your unfailing love. And I was praying that. And about that time, I'm listening to a song also. It's a Hillsong called Awakening. And, uh, and he started singing this line, for the world you love. For the world you love, awaken my soul. Awaken my soul in me. For the world you love. And I said, and this is a dangerous prayer. I said, Father, would you show me your heart of love for the world, for people? And I mean, I started heaving, sobbing. I was overcome. I started being baptized with the Father's love. And I mean, I, and I, and tears falling everywhere. And it's, it's, God loves people. And I finally had to say, Lord, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It was overwhelming to me. 
And I think that the Lord wants to he wants to do something like that in us today where we love people. That, that's his that's his heartbeat is people, people, people. Right. That's God's heart. And so, um, you know, I just I think it was a blow away in Acts and they're just kind of along for the ride. And and everybody's got to kind of figure this out. Every generation has to work through this thing and figure this thing out. You know, years later, Paul would look at the experiences of Acts and he writes his magnum opus to the Ephesians. I know there's that's in dispute. We've talked about this before. It's my own personal. If you're talking about Christ in the church and the glory of God, just throw the guitar down, walk off the stage. I mean, it's this awesome. And in that he says, you know, the church is holy. The church is set apart for God. We are his people. The church is adopted into his family. And it was his plan from before the creation of the world to bring everything under the headship of Jesus Christ, who is King and Lord of all. Every tribe, every language, every nation, every tongue. In Ephesians 2, he goes on and he says, you know, you guys, you Gentiles, and unless you have a Jewish background, that's everybody in the room. That's the nations. He says, but you were foreigners and aliens to the covenants of the promise. You are outsiders. But now you who are far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's good news, man. I mean, he said he took this divided people and he brought down the wall of hostility in his own body by taking us with him to the cross and into death and bringing us with him into life. And this is, yes, it is awesome good news. It's the best news ever that we, all this diversity and complexity, we, we all have access to the Father through Jesus Christ by one Spirit. Kind of preaching Ephesians 2. I'm going to get back to Acts. But he goes on in 3 and then 4, and he says, now you are one people. And it's not like you might be. It's not something you work into. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit that you've been given. So the imperative statement, excuse me, the indicative is you're one. The imperative, what you do is make effort to keep the oneness of the life that we've been given in Jesus Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Holy Spirit, you know, one body. One God and Father of all who lives in all of us and in th- is, is, uh, does His life living through us in Jesus' name. So it's, it's awesome good news. Is this a relevant message for our world today? I mean, really. This is God's plan to change the world. And it'll change international stuff. It'll change national stuff. I mean, it's God's plan for making things right. In the world, it's so unbelievably relevant. Uh, Kendall uh, Copperovich was 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 filmed. He told me Facebook and live last week had the had the kids. We had the kids all up on the parade of nations, and I mean, just all these beautiful different ethnicities standing up here. And I went and watched that. And so he filmed it. and He's walking away, and he says, "This is how this this is how the world's going to change. It's the Church of Jesus Christ and Jesus. It's awesome." And I was like. Come on, man. And it it will. And here's the thing. I can't 
you know, I can't, my sphere's not international politics. My sphere's not national politics, but my sphere is the church. And we can do something right here. I mean, what if, let's do a what if, what if we all right here, right now, from this day forward, started loving each other and, and preferring each other and honoring each other as the church of Jesus Christ. All, in all of our diversity, what would happen is that, that we would be a people that looks like the church in the book of Acts. And what, one of the things that happened was they were all so filled with a sense of awe and what God was doing in their midst that people were added daily to their number because of the way they lived together. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, so we want to see this a church for all peoples, all peoples. And it's not a miss. It's not a it's it's not a typo. Peoples, not it's peoples because it's people groups. The word is ethnos. A church for all the ethnic groups. It's one people, every tribe, language, nation, tongue, maintain the unity of the Spirit that Jesus Christ has won for us. The victory that He's won for us through His death. And uh, this is, you know, this is the what happens over and over and over again. They say He's raised from the dead. It's possible. I feel like I'm trying to preach. It just, He's raised from the dead. It's true. You can change. You don't have to stay with the old stuff that you have walked with and all the burdens and all the, the addictions and all the prejudices. There's a new day. There's a new day coming. And we are God's time machine people. New creation people, if that's more biblical. I just like the time thing. It's kind of trippy. But what's coming out there in the future is every tribe, language, nation, and tongue gathered around the throne, worshiping and praising God. And we are that future breaking into the present right now. Lift your eyes up. Lift your eyes up and see the way things really, really are. And let's live that way. Here's the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ, the main thing, is that it's for all peoples. And here's the, the trick, is that each generation, that's us, and you guys, all the different generations, each generation has to learn and live that out. And that, that, that means us. So a couple of questions here, and this is the way I did this last week as well. What did it mean for them? What, well, it, what did it look like for the church in Acts? And what's it going to look like for us? Just applying this and living this thing out. And you remember last week, we did these four words. And I think they're just kind of paradigm words for Acts. You know, encounter. You know, you see that happening. Then you see empower. You see that happening. You see the enacting of that. Living that out. Lifestyle change. Doing something different. Living, changing our schedules. Changing the way we spend our money. Changing the way we interact with people. Enact. And then explain. Explain is what, when all stuff, when healings are happening in Cusco, and then explaining that this is the good news of Jesus Christ. When somebody's being healed and lives are being changed here, we explain this out and say, Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's our Lord. He's why we're living this way. He has absolutely radically and totally impacted our lives. And it's 24-7. It's not just when you're here. It's every single day of the week. God, have your way in me. Morning by morning, day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, month by month, week by week. Jesus, come on. I need you. So think about what had to happen I just, 
for this, this gospel to go forward. And, and there's crazy stories in the book of Acts. And I think sometimes we get sidetracked with the, the, the wildness of what's going on when the point is, here's the point, the point is that those things happen so that people could be reached and brought into relationship with God. So Acts chapter 2, Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes, tongues of fire, people speaking in tongues, people gathered around from all these different nations. You know, they're there, they're Jews, but they're from different nations. And, and then Peter preaches and they come into relationship, right relationship with God. As they hear the good news, they believe, they repent, they're baptized. 3,000 added on the first day, right there, boom. Acts chapter 8. Now, Jesus had said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But it's interesting to me, like us sometimes, maybe we can identify with this, but they are in Jerusalem, and there's 3,000. They're in Jerusalem, and then there's 5,000. They're in Jerusalem, there, there's stuff going on, there's stories being told, but they're still in Jerusalem. And so Stephen is martyred in Acts chapter 7. He's killed, stoned to death and standing there smiling, you know, looking into heaven and seeing Jesus. But after that, in Acts chapter 8, a persecution breaks out against the church. And then the church crosses the boundary over to Judea and Samaria, right? It's, but it's more miracles. It's Philip, man. I mean, he's healing people, casting out demons, just declaring the power of God, declaring the kingdom of God. People getting saved, baptized, uh, has an encounter with the Ethiopian. He's told by an angel to go to this road that leads down to Gaza. You know, and we like, wow, that's really cool. But it's about that guy. It's about that Ethiopian, right? And so he gets there and he starts running alongside the chariot. Hey, what's up? And uh, he says, I'm reading some stuff here. Come on up. And I'm reading Isaiah 53, but I don't know what it means. He goes, well, let me tell you, it's about Jesus. And he died for the sins of the world. And you can believe in him right now. And he said, I, I do it. I want to do that. And so here's water. He they baptizes him. And but here's the thing. It's about that guy. Because that guy is he's the chief financial officer for Candace, who is queen of the Ethiopians. And so because of that, you got the angel thing. And well, oh yeah, I forgot. He's transported then after he baptizes him 20 miles to Azotus, which is, that's crazy, but it's about that guy, right? It's not about, it's not about the transportation. It's about, it's about the Ethiopian eunuch who comes to know Jesus. And so Acts 9, you got the dramatic blinding light, Damascus road, personal appearance of the risen Lord to Saul. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting but I'm doing this because you're going to be my witness to the nations. He's setting up the rest of the book of Acts. Now let's slow down a bit. Open to Acts chapter 10, because this is the gospel going to the Gentiles. And I want us to just, just read some scripture here together and do this uh, just for a bit. So this is, this is the gospel going to Cornelius and the Gentiles. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. A centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. I, every time I read that, I think like a movie or um, some coffee or so, I don't know. So just work with me. I don't have any notes on this part. We're just going to read the scripture together. He and all his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. 
I like that it's three in the afternoon and not in the middle of the night when he was stumbling around, he may have seen something. Three in the afternoon, he has a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. Somebody say amen there, but that's, I think that's what we do. What is it, Lord? The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He's staying at Simon the Tanner, with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him and had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So again, you've got major stuff happening right at the edge of an encounter. And I can tell you that some of our very best crazy, wild, miracle stories have happened for us personally, for me and Kim, when we were on the edge. When we were on the edge with people, reaching out to people. It's where stuff happens. It doesn't mean that miracles can't happen just us kind of sitting around you know, at life group or something, but, but it's on the edge. It's when we're reaching out. That's when the stuff happens. So about the same time, Peter, they send the, he sends those, those three guys to get, it, get Peter. And Peter, just before they get there, is having a vision. And then the vision... A blanket's coming down. A sheet's coming down from heaven. It's got all these animals on it. Unclean, clean, unclean. And the Lord says, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And he says, surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean or impure. And a second time, the voice spoke to him in verse 15. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So another dramatic encounter. God is speaking to Peter. He's getting him ready. About that time, the door knocks. So he's just like, just had a crazy, remember the four words? Encounter, empower, enact, explain. So all that's going down right now. All those things, all those things are at play. People knock at the door. We're from Cornelius. We want you to come down to Caesarea. And so he says, okay, I haven't done anything like that before because I'm Jewish and you guys are Gentiles, but I'm going to do it. So let's pick it up again. Some more reading here. Verse uh, the following day, verse 24, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together relatives and close friends. And Peter entered, as Peter entered the house, another encounter, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. This is a God moment. You don't do stuff like that unless you're touched by God. Peter made him get up. Stand up. I'm only a man myself. And talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Amen. So when I was sent for, I came without raising objection. Now, may I ask why you sent for me? So then Cornelius goes into his story. I saw an angel. He told me to send for you. And I sent my guys and they knocked on your door and they brought you and you're here. What do you have to say to us? Right? That's a setup. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. 
You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. Okay, talk about clarity. You want to know who is Jesus and what was He about. He went around under the power of the Holy Spirit, doing good and healing everyone who was under the power of the devil. Come on. I mean, that's... Lord, help us. That's what we want to be about. Let's follow Jesus, right? We are witnesses of everything He did. In the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He wasn't just a spirit. He was a physical resurrected body from the dead. New new resurrected body. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about Him that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. So He's preaching along and He hasn't done like, it's ministry time now, stand up, come to the front. Uh, the band's going to come up and we're going to respond to God. He, he didn't get to do that. So He's preaching and just He's preaching about forgiveness of sins, and all of a sudden, whoosh, and everybody's, wow, you know, speaking in tongues. They see the work, the evidence of God. And then Peter goes, uh, what about this? You know, what he, he says specifically in verse, verse 46, can anyone, 47, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And they, so they ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus, and they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Okay, so the story goes on. That's Acts 10, but it goes on. And then there's people coming into the church and they're preaching to the Greeks in Antioch. And then they're sending people out in Acts chapter 13. The Holy Spirit says, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then in Acts 15, they're going, wow, this thing is getting out of hand and they're not being circumcised. They're not doing all the law or even one of the main things we think is really important. So they had a big powwow in Jerusalem, a council, and they talked it over. They listened to the stories and everything. And then they said, you know what? It seems good to the Holy Spirit and us to just have these three basic things. Don't eat strangled, uh, don't, don't, don't eat uh, blood from animals. Don't eat strangled animals and stay away from sexual immorality. You'll be good if you do those things, which is an interesting list. I mean, I, I probably would have thrown a few more things on there if I was, hey, but what about love or something? I don't know. But that's what they ended up with. Just basic, 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 and everybody's in. It's for all peoples. The church for all peoples. That's what we're reading about, and that's what we want to be. So that's the first question. What did they do? And second question is, what will it look like for us? What does it look like for us to live this thing out, to be, to, to walk in this? And so we're going to be all those four words we talked about last week, but I want to give you two more. They just happen to be E words. Makes sense. It would be. This is a sermon. Preachers do things like that. So uh, what does it look like? for? What will it mean for us? And again, you guys, I want to emphasize like I did last week, how you answer that question changes the world. Because So it's a vision thing. That's the first one. We need to expect. We need to expect. We need to have an expectation, a vision, uh, that we believe that this is, maybe it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. Maybe it's going to be a miracle if we actually live this way, but it does point to Jesus Christ. 
it does bear witness to Jesus for us to live not like everybody else. For us to be this people that believe that we can come together because of our common life in Jesus Christ. It's a new, it's a new deal. It's the image of God. So God is one, but He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, but with distinction. And so we, as His people in His image, are one people, but with distinction. All the tribes, languages, nations, we don't meld into each other and just become a big mass of, of oneness without distinction. We are one, but we have all of this beauty that's New York City and ethnicities and backgrounds and different nations and all of that, right? So, so all of that's at work here. All of that is, when we read this, that's what's happening here practically. It's like concentric circles moving out. And so sometimes we're, we're, we get to walk with people that know the Lord and are interested in exactly the same things we're interested in. And we like talking about all the same stuff and we, we play all the same sports together, or whatever it is. And that's really tight. But it does move out from that to people that are, are not exactly like us. Maybe they weren't raised like us. I was listening to the testimonies in the room. Man, I mean, we're coming from all yesterday, uh, listen, coming from all different kinds of places. And it's just beautiful what God does through all of this diversity. You know, just all these different backgrounds. And then as you keep expanding out and start being more intentional about that, about moving out, what you realize is, you know, God... Uh, God wants that to happen. And He wants to make a way for that to happen. And even, I mean, if you keep going really far out, I've met, I've met people that I could not speak a word of the same language to, but who knew the Lord. They, they'd already been, you know, met Jesus. And, and they go, Yesu? Yesu. And just, we're communicating, we're loving each other. We, like, Yesu is the only word. And hallelujah, you can always do hallelujah. Any language... It works, right? Around the world. Hallelujah. Okay? But that's what's, that's what's going on practically. We move from where we're at and follow this paradigm of the church in the book of Acts moving outward. In 2002, I wrote an article for the Fort Worth Magazine. And uh, it was fictitious. I mean, I didn't actually turn it in, but I pretended like I, and I, pretended like I was Colin Cowtown, a reporter. And we were in the process of moving the church from Grapevine down here to Fort Worth. And I wrote the article as if it was 2007. So you, I, you guys know I'm into time travel and stuff. But it was a vision thing. It was a vision. I imagined myself as Colin Cow, Cowtown walking into this church, into Christ Fellowship in the year 2007. And I described what it was like. There were people glad happy to be there, hugging each other, genuine expressions of love and joy and peace as they welcomed each other and just loved on each other. The worship began and it was obvious everybody was joyful and happy to be in the presence of God. And all of a sudden, I don't know what it was, but tears started rolling down my face and uh, just, all this stuff. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's describing what he's seeing. It was a storefront in a strip center. That was a long time ago. Yeah. A storefront and a strip center, our beautiful building. And, uh, and, uh, but one of the things I described was people from all different backgrounds, nations, nationalities, 
cultural differences, all these, all these people, one people, one beautiful, unified people with all of these differences. So, so that's the vision part. We, you know, if we don't expect it, if we don't have vision for it, guess what we don't get to see? You know, it, it makes us want to bring different folks in and help them see it. And we're not there, but we're, we've got some place we're going. That's the trajectory. The trajectory is everyone around the throne together. And we want to express that in the here and now. Okay? And so the, just the, the second piece of that is what we need to do is experience it. There's a, there's a mission dynamic in being like the church in the book of Acts. They were on a mission. And God's calling us to participate. Jesus invites us. He sends us out and says, I want you to join in the mission that God gave me, that my Father gave me. You know, receive the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's powerful. You know, there is, a, there is a piece of this thing that we move from a mentality of us and them to seeing that Jesus Christ died for everyone. So we want, we, we were thems, but now we're uses. And we want to see the uses in other people so we can not look at them like they're thems, but look at them like they're uses. Because of Jesus Christ, right? Now, everybody needs practical, right? Practical, practical, practical. Here's a practical one. This, this will help. Who likes to eat food? It's like 60% of the room. That's awesome. So, so uh, just here's the challenge. Go eat food with somebody. It's a spirit. It's a deep thing, what I'm saying. Breaking bread together. You know, I, I just had lunch this past week with a guy I discipled, Nigerian American, and uh, uh, we love to eat together. And but the thing is, we don't just talk about, "Hey, what's going on with Zeke? What's going to happen?" It, it, here, here's what changes everything: if you sit down with somebody, you're intentionally eating food with them, and you say, "Hey, tell me what's Jesus saying? What's Jesus doing in your life right now? How, what did what did he?" Kind of what's, your, what, what's some of your story? You ask any question like that and the whole thing changes. You know, you can get about this deep fellowship in the Cowboys. It's okay. It's not wrong. It's just there's more life than that, right? And so you can get about that deep or you can just go ahead and just go ahead and open up what, what God wants to do in and through us as we cross boundaries. And meals do that. So much of the New Testament is literally written because of table fellowship. Who's going to eat with whom? Are we going to eat with each other? And uh, I had somebody after the first service say, I'm bringing a sign next week and I say, if you don't know me, I want to eat with you. (laughs) He told me. And he said, no, I'm serious. I said, that's great. Go for it, man. (laughs) You get some people who want to eat with you. Is that practical enough? I mean, just that, you know, let's just start here with us. I mean, the, the retreat helped me to see it yesterday again. Not just that what we've been saved, you know, out of all the bad stuff, but even some people were saying, hey, I just want to give testimony to what I was saved from that I didn't have to go through. Like, and that's a good testimony, too. So what hinders us from doing this, from living this thing out, a church for all peoples? What is it that stops us? It's fear. It's fear. It's selfishness. You know, those are definitely up at the top of the list. And I, I want to just say, as we're wrapping things up here, uh, 
I want to say, Lord, would you so fill us with your love that we would go beyond our fears? That's actually how fear gets driven out is when we get filled up with love. Perfect love actually drives out fear in our lives. And so, you know, I think the Lord did that thing in me this morning so that I could stand up here with even more enthusiasm and say we need to be baptized with the love of God for people so that we can be a church for all peoples. That's what we want to do. We want to see that happen in our generation in this time with the students, in our workplaces, in our, in our high schools, in our middle schools, and in the city of Fort Worth and in the nations. So you guys stand up. Amen. So worship team's coming, ministry team's coming. If you're visiting with us, we do this every Sunday. We just take a little time to respond to God. And I've got a simple call today. And that is just, Lord, would you fill me up with your love so that I can love all peoples, so I can love everyone, and we can see this church be a church for all peoples. Okay, so just wherever you're at in that journey, again, this is like everybody could respond to this one. And if the front fills up, then let's just keep pressing in. Let's let's turn toward each other. Find somebody to pray for you. But man, let's have that heart. God, I want to know your heart for people. Lord, would you let this morning bring me word of your unfailing love for all peoples. Baptize me, Lord, in your love so that it just overcomes fear and selfishness and I can love other people and we can see the church truly be the church that it's supposed to be and change the world in Jesus' mighty name. So, hey, I want to invite you guys to come. Come to the altar. And let's pray. Let's press into God. And as always, whatever, if you have a need, just please don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. If you're hurting, something's going on in life, Right now, please get someone to pray for you. It's just the most, sometimes the most important thing we do is right now. So I just want to encourage you in that. God answers prayer. God changes things when we pray. So let's press in in Jesus' name. Amen. Meet us, Lord. We need you, God. Be bold. Step out. Go for it. Amen.